Welcome to River Life Podcasts. We're a church family embracing the Father's presence, releasing empowered people to declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. We trust that God would use what you hear today to bless and grow you so that you would be a blessing to those around you. For more information about River Life Baptist Church, go to riverlifechurch.org.au or find us on social media. And it's Christmas. We begin our Christmas series today. There you have it. We're there. My name is Joe. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, if we haven't met, my name is Joe. If we have met, my name is Greg, uh, or whatever name you'd like to call me. No. Um, but I'm excited for Christmas. I'm excited because Christmas starts a little bit early. The, the fruit mince pies have been out for a long time. So, you know, Christmas has been in our house since October, which is wonderful. But today we start our first of three Sundays before we get to Christmas. Three Sundays. And then to Christmas. Today we're going we're to start this series on the gifts of Christmas. And uh, we're going to draw this series, actually, it's inspired by what our kids are doing in kids' church. Pastor Patria came and said, I've got this idea for Christmas that I'd like to do with the kids' church around uh, the three gifts of the wise men to Jesus. I said, brilliant. And John and I were talking and thought, hey, this would be a great idea for all of us because what a great opportunity it might be that if you have kids that are in kids' church, we get the chance this Christmas to have conversations around our family table about who Jesus is and why this moment is important to us. But I hope too that today, as you hear and as you engage with what the Lord wants to say to us, that you have something to talk to your friends and colleagues and housemates about who Jesus is. Because as we come to this time of year, what a great opportunity it is, as we've already heard in our service today, to be able just to fix our attention on him and share the good news of Jesus with others. So we're going to base our series out of Matthew chapter 2. So grab your Bible, open up to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to read the first 12 verses. Are you ready? Follow along with me. It'll be on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you, but it's always good to read it in front of you to get those words into your heart and to your head. It says this in Matthew chapter 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Over the next three weeks, we're going to look at these three different things that were given to this baby Jesus. Three gifts, gold, frankincense and myrrh. We're going to start today with frankincense. Because starting in the middle is a good spot to start. But it's a very interesting gift to give to a baby. 
These wise men who have come from probably Babylon have, have arrived. And in, in Matthew's gospel, this is the only place in all of our Bible and our New Testament where we see the wise men show up and give these gifts. Which kind of made me wonder, why? Why for Matthew is this important to keep? Why does Matthew want to record this story in his version of the life of Jesus? What's so important about it that he wants to draw our attention to it? See, Matthew, it seems, he's trying to convince a bunch of people who have followed this God, this, this nation of Israel who followed their God, Yahweh. And he's writing to them to tell them about who this Jesus is. They're, the people that are reading this, they're steeped in the ways of the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, the first three quarters of your Bible. They would have been familiar with all the things that had happened throughout the history of the Old Testament, the, the, the things that had gone on before. And Matthew wants the people hearing of Jesus to know that this Jesus isn't just another figure in the history of Israel. He's actually the new and better version of everything that's gone before. So if you've read it in the Old Testament, Matthew wants you to know that Jesus is the new, the better, the bigger, the more improved, the ultimate version. Uh, one of the things even in this birth story is it's quite similar to the, the birth of Moses. We know from the, the record that King Herod had all the babies killed. It was this horrific scene because he knew that this had happened before in Egypt where Moses was born. And Matthew wants us to see that just like Moses would be the deliverer of his people, this Jesus who is coming is going to be the deliverer of his people. There's time and time again connections because for Matthew, he wanted the people reading to know that all of these things that happened before, all of these things that had gone before that had been events and promises and, and, and moments in the history of God's people, they might seem disconnected, they might seem unfulfilled, they might seem unresolved, yet it comes to a connection point in Jesus. It's as if Matthew wants you to go, you know these things have happened, and I want you to understand that Jesus is the fulfillment so that you can trust him for what he says will happen after these things. There's so many promises that we see that, that have been written to the people of God over millennia for them to know that something was going to happen. In Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah presents this promise of God to his people for to us a child is born, it says in verse 6. To us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. A child born who will be Mighty God. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. There's a promise for one who would come who was going to be God and king, who was a, a, someone born into the nation. God had promised hundreds and hundreds of years earlier that all of the things that had caused people's hearts to become hard and unyielding and, and, and brittle towards one another, that caused breakdown and relationship fractures, God had promised that the day's coming, he says in Jeremiah 31, 31. When I will make a new covenant, a new agreement, a new relationship with the house of Israel and Judah. Not like the one that I made with their fathers when I took them by the hand and brought them out of Egypt. Verse 33, for this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. I will put my law within them 
and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall each one teach his neighbor and his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I'll forgive their iniquity, and I'll remember their sin no more. There's, for the people who have been following after God, there was this pun intended pregnant promise. There was this weightiness. God said he would save us. He would set us free. We don't know how it'll happen, but the promises stand. And and they almost felt like different threads that could not be reconciled, could not be brought back together. But Matthew and his portrayal of Jesus wants to paint a picture of those threads being woven together. I think he intentionally starts with gold and frankincense and myrrh to help us understand that. So we're going to talk about frankincense. What is frankincense? If you know what frankincense is, you know that it's, a, it's very strong. It's got a beautiful fragrance. It's actually made from a resin that comes from the sap of a tree that grows pretty commonly from Africa right through, right through Asia. They would take this sap, they would dry it, they would then grind it up and use it in perfumes, use it in incense, The name itself comes from an old French term that means the highest quality incense. It's got nothing to do with a man called Frank, as I thought growing up. It's Frank's incense. Was that just me in kids' church? I don't know if that was anyone else, but yeah. Just me. (laughs) In the scriptures, the name for it actually sounds a bit like the name of the country Lebanon, probably suggesting where it came from or maybe where it was created, but it was strong to smell, bitter to taste, and comes up fairly regularly in the Old Testament. It's not an uncommon thing. Particularly in the book of Exodus, as the, the, the portable place of worship, the, the portable temple, the tabernacle, was presented to the people of God, saying, this is where you can come and worship with me. In the book of Leviticus, where God set out the ways that people could live in a way that glorified him and helped their community grow, and, and particularly then into the book of uh, Numbers, where God's really helping them apply this to what life should look like. Frankincense comes up. It's to be used in the offerings that deal with your sin. When you had sinned, when you had fallen short of what God had called you to do, and you had to go and restore the relationship, frankincense was part of that offering. When you were grateful for what the Lord has done, when the Lord had blessed you, frankincense was part of that offering. But where frankincense is most specifically used that I think is most important for us to know today is in Exodus chapter 30, verse 34, the first time, in fact, that it's mentioned, frankincense is used in a very special incense that the priests of God were supposed to to make, to put together. It was only to be used, this special incense was only to be used in the temple. It was only to be made by priests. And it's to be burned on this little golden altar, little, a little like fireplace, that sat right outside the holiest place in the temple, the room where God's presence dwelt, where his manifest glory rested on this golden ark of the covenant, the, the reminder of his promise. This fragrance was designed to be precious, to be purposeful, to mark what true intimate worship in the presence of God should smell like. And I can only imagine with such a strong smell and such a a permeating cloud of incense in that room that the priests all smelled like frankincense. 
this, this picture of worship and prayer in the very presence of God, of the, of the presence of God connecting with his people, this is the gift that wise men traveled 1,500 kilometers to give to a baby. Special, reserved, only for the Lord. For the people reading it, that's an outrageous gift to give to a baby. That is like unacceptable, like that's borderline blasphemy, like you can't do that. But Matthew wants us to know that this baby is not just a baby. This baby is in fact God come to the world. Which for most people is like, I I can't actually get my head around that. I love that part of Part of the way that God wants his people to know that he is real and he has come is this, this fragrance, this smell, this odor, this strong and special scent that is preserved just for him. Imagine that the people reading it would have smelled that as they'd been to the temple to worship, to offer their sacrifices to God. And, and as soon as Matthew starts writing this, they go, I know that smell, I know that smell. I know that sense of being near to God, of being central to the place where he meets with his people. But can God be a baby and would he come to us? This is outrageous and ridiculous. God's supposed to be this big, strong, mighty figure that protects us throughout the Old Testament. God is the the one who's protected and vindicated his people, who's gone before them in battle that's caused walls to fall down and seas to part, the very nations to crumble in front of his presence, and he's a baby? That's not okay. That doesn't make sense. But this is the first part of the gift we receive at Christmas. That frankincense is for God, for his presence with us. And God saw enough value in us that he would come fully God, fully here, to be close to his people. That's what he said, remember in Isaiah and Jeremiah that we read out before, that we wouldn't need someone to stand between us and God because he would come and be close to us. In fact, Isaiah uses the name Emmanuel, God with us. This, this beautiful expression of the, of the creator God become human and with us. Frankincense starts to weave together these promises and these pictures and these stories and these scents to remind us that God has come into the darkness and that the light has come. In fact, all of the Gospels kind of have a a Christmas narrative. Mark tells the story of Jesus, almost the slave, the one who comes in the place of another to serve and to die. So slaves didn't have heritage, so he doesn't tell a Christmas story. Matthew and Luke present the human and the Jewish side. John presents this Christmas story like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was not anything that was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John's message of Christmas is all about the light stepping in. He's just trying to help us understand, because that's what happened when the wise men presented frankincense to a baby. They said, God has come. 
As I read and thought about that, I thought, that's, that's cool, that's amazing, that's fine, but how does that impact me 2,000 years later, right? Is anyone thinking that? It's like, thank you for the history lesson. I didn't come here for sociology. No, that's just, okay, good. I love it. What does frankincense mean to us today? Apart from a beautiful fragrance that you might use around your home, I think as we see this word, as we, as we see what Matthew wants us to know, there's a few important things to remember. That at this moment of Jesus' birth, the moment when the creator God enters creation, there's some things for us to wrestle with. When we think about God, when we maybe even wrestle with what we believe about God, whether he's even real or not, the Bible lets us know that whether we think he's real or not, he still is, which is a relief. But the Bible affirms from time after time, from the beginning to the end, that God exists, has always existed, he holds it all together, and Matthew wants us to know that when God enters his creation, the rules change. Frankincense for me reminds me that the rules have changed because God stepped into this earth. The one who made it, the creator, has come to the creation. And no spoilers as we hear the next two weeks. All of these three things work together so perfectly, but when we look at the aspect of Jesus as God, his demonstration of God become flesh presents God as a reality to us. The invisible God that there was no idols or statues, there was no depictions of prior to this point, suddenly becomes real, becomes in flesh, incarnate. God steps in. Frankincense reminds us that God has become real to us in our understanding. I think for me, the, the wrestle with that, and maybe it is for you, is why would God do that? Surely if he's all big and all powerful and and big enough to do whatever he needs to do, why would he submit himself to that? Why would he put himself in the place of a baby? Why would he put himself through such a trial, such vulnerability, such fragility, the, the, the way that it all could have gone so terribly wrong, yet God the Father preserved God the Son? I think for me there's this so many of the songs that we sing actually kind of start to capture this in a really beautifully poetic way. And uh, one of the songs that we sing sums it up for me that just speaks to my heart every time I hear it as we wrestle with the heart and the desire and the passion of God to come and connect with his people. In, in the song we sing, So Will I, it says, On a hill you created, the light of the world was abandoned in darkness to die. Like what a poignant image of the creator who made the very hill and the tree on which he was killed, did that. It's so powerful and so outrageous, so unacceptable that someone so good, that someone so big, the creator of everything, would submit himself to that. And why he did it was for us. So the good news, is, the good news of Jesus starts at the nativity. 
It grows and it develops and it becomes louder and louder through his life and through the horrendous events of the crucifixion and through the glory of his resurrection and ascension. It's like frankincense is the first bookend and and the resurrection and ascension and his commission for us to go is the other bookend. And in between, we, we are invited to experience God become flesh, God come to earth, God stepping into his creation because he wants to do something with our lives. He wants to redeem and restore. It's quite simple and quite beautiful, really. He came, he saw, he loved, and then he conquered death. But he didn't leave it there, he rose again. Another time that we find frankincense in Scripture, and that's why I think it's important for us this Christmas, is that It comes up most positively outside of those first few books of the scriptures. It comes up in Song of Songs. The Song of Solomon, this ode to love, the the pinnacle of, of, of what looks like human love expressed in the middle of our holy scriptures. And the bridegroom loves to use frankincense to describe his loved one. He loves to use frankincense as as a way of reminding himself that he's coming for his wedding, that he's perfumed with frankincense and it would permeate the room that they're in. It 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 would end up permeating the bride as well. See, the strength of the fragrance was so strong, it would it would just fill the room. And I love that picture that as we spend time with God. As we spend time with him, something should permeate us. That the strength of who he is and his love for us should impact us, should change us. We should walk away carrying not just intimacy, but a fragrance. In fact, I was just reminded of this in worship. It says in in 2 Corinthians, if you've got your Bible there, it's not going to be on the screen because I just thought of it. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. See, people knew this. See, people understood that when God showed up, it left a mark. And the fragrance of God was essential. Verse 14, but thanks be to God, writes Paul, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. And through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God amongst those who are being saved, amongst those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. See, the, the, the people knew that when you were around God's people, you started to smell like God's people. The frankincense marked them. The intimacy of being in his presence, you carried with you. And, and, and it's portrayed in Song of Songs because when we're with the lover of our hearts and souls, the creator of this world, it impacts and it permeates into us and we carry it with us. And Paul knew that actually when we go into the world, we carry the fragrance of God with us. God in us, with us. It's the aroma of life to experience it, but it brings, it brings conviction, it brings awareness that we're finite, that we are not the creators and we are not in charge. There's so much in this little gift to a little baby. There's more and more you can unpack it and you can dig in deeper, but at that first Christmas, the revelation of God coming to, coming to us in Jesus, of acknowledging that he is God, 
and that he is here. It started a chain of events that led to you sitting in this room today. That the acknowledgement of God come, God arrived, God present with us, caused someone to trust and to find life and transformation and freedom and forgiveness of sin to the point where they were so touched that they told someone else. And the fragrance of God in their life was passed on to someone else and to someone else and to someone else for year after year and generation after generation. And you sit here today because of the obedience of a couple of people to walk halfway across their known world with a simple gift of perfume, of incense, and say, God has come. That's how important frankincense is to us at Christmas. I love that as the story continues, eventually where that very place of the incense being burnt in the temple, right in front of the holy place, becomes wide open for everyone. But before that, God knew that the invitation to experience him as God come to earth was for everyone. In Luke chapter 2, in part of Luke's telling of the very first Christmas, he says this in 2 verse 8. In the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over the flock at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. Good news of great joy. Christ the Lord, Christ who is God. This will be a sign for you, a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. God come to earth for the lowest of the low, the shepherds, the outcasts, those who weren't privileged to come in to the warm places and to the place of worship, those who are in and out, those who are privileged and those who are removed. Doesn't matter where you are today. God showed up so that you might know him, that you might experience him, that the fragrance of his life might fill your life. So this means a few really important things for us to remember this Christmas. I believe God wants you to know that Christmas means that he came to us, that we don't need to keep trying to find a way to get to him. That your very best efforts that all those things you put in place to find meaning and significance. He said, I'm coming to you. You don't have to try and find your way to me. If you're in the darkness, I'm coming with light. Like frankincense in the sin offerings. So Jesus wants you to know that he is the way. That the brokenness and the hurt and the fear and the anxiety and the disobedience and the things that we do to sabotage our lives and the things that we do that break down the very goodness of God in our lives. He is the way that it will be dealt with. He is the fragrant offering. He is the one who makes us be able to walk in triumphal procession because he gave himself. He himself was the sacrifice to deal with our sin. God wants you to know that like that frankincense, he is precious. 
that he is significant, that he is important, he is reserving the most special part of him to be with you, his presence. He wants you to know that you can be close to him. Like the bride to the bridegroom, you can be close, you can be near, that there's an invitation to intimacy with him. I believe God wants you to know that no matter who you are today, no matter where you've come from, no matter what reason you've walked into this room, that you're sitting and you've stumbled across us online, no matter how you're hearing these words, that he came, that you might be able to find a place to know him, to experience him. Whether you feel like you're out in the fields or you're right in the middle of the temple, close to him or far away, he came that you might know his love. And for those of us who know him, he came that we might be infused and permeated with his love to carry it out into this world. God came, Jesus came, that you might know that he is real and that he loves you. Would you stand to your feet as we we respond to the Lord? Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, we are so grateful, we are so humbled, we are still probably a little bit confused about why you chose, when you could have done it anyway, but you came and chose to be just like us, one of us in the midst of us, that we might know that you are real, that you are God and that you care. And so by your Holy Spirit today, Jesus, would you come and would you meet with each one of us? Would you help us to lift our eyes up to you in worship, to acknowledge that you are God and that you are good? And would you meet us in our point of need, in our point of joy or sorrow, in our celebration or frustration? Would you meet us where we're at? And so this Christmas, we would not be distant and separated, but we would know you. Come Holy Spirit and fill this room with the fragrance of Christ, the aroma of his goodness that is life, that gives life, that gives life. Would you come... Would you come be with us? We acknowledge you as God. We bless your name. Amen. Let's worship and I encourage you just to respond to the prayer needs as you need through this time of worship. Let's worship together. Thanks for listening to this River Life podcast. Make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest content. If this podcast has raised any questions for you, Contact us via church at riverlifechurch.org.au or through Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.